This morning we'll be looking at Philippians 3, verses 12 through verse 16. But I want to begin reading at verse 7 through verse 16. So Philippians 3, beginning at verse 7, let's now to the reading of God's holy word. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from, faith, uh, from God by faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Let us seek the Lord's blessing on this, His holy word. O gracious God and Heavenly Father, we rejoice and give thanks to You, Lord, for this truth of Your word. And as we come to this particular passage this morning, we do pray that Your Spirit would give us understanding and insight, and that as Your word goes forth in the power of the Spirit, We do pray that it would find within each of our hearts that rich, fertile soil that brings about great and abundant fruit for your glory. We pray now for your blessing upon your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The Bible uses many different metaphors to uh, describe the time that we live our lives of faith on this earth. Sometimes it's a journey or a walk, a pilgrimage. And as Paul now describes to the Philippians, it's a race. Our passage this morning will consider what the goal is that we seek in this race. Why do we need to run it? And how we should run that race that has been set before us. And in answering these questions, we'll be encouraged, hopefully, to faithfully and diligently run that race to the glory of God. Paul says here in verse 12, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So what is it that Paul seeks to obtain and lay hold of? Well, in the Apostles' day, athletes uh, competed in the games with the hopes of winning and receiving a a laurel wreath, a wreath made out of of laurel branches, 
that was placed upon their heads. Now, it may not sound like much to us, but in ancient Greece and in Rome, the laurel wreath was associated not only with victory and achievement, but also status. That is, the winner was honored among the people. And even though today athletes seek after the, uh, the, the gold medal in the Olympics, and even though those medals are more valuable than laurel wreaths, well, that which the athletes seek is the same as it was in ancient Greece. The status of being an Olympic champion or a world champion, and of course all the, the glory and the praise that comes along with winning that. But is this why we run the race of faith? To gain the glory and the praise of men? Well, certainly not. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. The goal for which we're striving isn't a bunch of leaves or the praise of men which both quickly fade away. But it's something imperishable. That is, something that will last forever and ever. And so what is it? Well, to find out, we first have to go back to verses 10 and 11 in Philippians 3. Where Paul says, That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And so the goal for which we strive is to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. And then Paul goes on to clarify this in verse 14 saying, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now what exactly does this involve? Well, it involves the full realization and possession of your salvation in Christ Jesus. That you would know Christ more deeply and intimately. That you would be in the constant fellowship of His glorious presence. That you, on the last great day, when Christ returns, will be called up to meet Him in the clouds. Your resurrected and transformed bodies will be reunited with your souls in order that you might live perfectly complete in His presence for all eternity. That's the goal. That's the prize your faith seeks and runs after. The glorious uh, paradise of the fullness of the kingdom of God. Complete with, with the new heavens and the new earth. All the old things have passed away and there will be new things. Sorrow, suffering, sin, Satan, even death will be gone. Tears will be wiped away. And the people of God, the glorious bride of Christ, the church, will give constant praise to the King of kings and Lord of lords. We shall be there, conformed to the perfect image of Jesus Christ, seeing Him face to face in all His glory and splendor and relishing in the fullness of joy. Now this is the ultimate prize for which we strive, and it's, it's truly glorious. But it's important to remember that even in a race, 
before the runner receives the crown of glory, he must first finish the race. If he doesn't reach the finish line, he's not going to obtain the prize. And the same is true for your race of faith. If you want the prize of eternal glory in the presence of Jesus Christ, you must finish the race that has been set before you. Well, what does it mean then to finish the race? Well, we see this in what Paul here confesses that he hasn't yet achieved. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. See, Paul isn't yet perfect. I may wonder, perfect in what way? He isn't yet perfect in holiness. The goal for which we're striving in the race of faith, the goal that we must reach before receiving the ultimate prize, is holiness. This race, then, is what we often refer to as the process of sanctification. And becoming more and more holy. By God's grace we're made more and more holy by the Spirit's work in us. To be holy means to be set apart. Consecrated unto unto God. But it also means to be pure and clean without spot or blemish. It means that we live in obedience to God's revealed will. Now this may seem like a high standard. And indeed it is. In fact, the standard is is perfection. And this is what Jesus declared to those who would be his disciples in, in Matthew 5:48, the, the actual the, uh, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, "Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect." God requires perfection. In holiness. And as you run the race of faith, you must strive for such holiness in how you live your lives. And this, even though we acknowledge that we'll never fully attain perfection in this life, we'll only attain perfection of holiness when we reach the end of the race, when, we, when we're glorified in Christ Jesus. But why is holiness then so important? Certainly there are many today, even many Christians, who downplay the the pursuit of holiness in their lives. They they, uh, contend that they, they can walk in God's grace and forgiveness. And so it doesn't matter then how they would live their day to day lives. In fact, those that profess this, you might be hard pressed to tell the difference between whether they're believers or unbelievers. You see, to disregard holiness in such a way actually tramples upon the grace of God in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul declares in Romans 6, verses 1 and 2, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not! How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? It's an excellent question. And so clearly we must pursue holiness. But again, why is it so important? Because without holiness, without holiness you don't finish the race. And without finishing the race, 
you don't receive the prize. And this is what the writer to the Hebrews warns of in Hebrews 12 verse 14 saying, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. If you want to see God, if you want to stand forever in His glorious and most holy presence, then you must also be holy as He is holy. If you secure holiness, you secure your place in God's presence. That is the goal and the purpose of this race, to strive towards greater holiness. And so we have the ultimate goal of the race, is full possession of the blessings and benefits of the Lord Jesus Christ and His eternal kingdom. Right? That's, the, that's the big picture, the ultimate goal. But then there's the immediate goal of the race. is the pursuit of sanctification and holiness in our lives so that we might be enabled to stand in His glorious presence. But why do we have to, re- to run? Right? Why doesn't Christ just grant us these things now? Because our purpose in Christ for this life is to be like Christ. Which means that we must live our lives first and foremost to the glory of God the Father. This is your purpose and your response to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That you even now would live your lives that show and reflect the glory of your God and Savior. As Paul says here in verse 12, This is why He presses on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. In other words, the reason why Christ grabbed hold of Paul so dramatically on the road to Damascus was so that Paul would strive to lay hold of Christ and the riches of His grace. Now imagine that. You see, your purpose in life The purpose of all mankind is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. This is why God first created us. And this is why He sent His beloved Son to save you and and deliver you from sin and death. But God's plan is so great that not only does it work out for His glory, but it also works out toward your good. Christ saved you. So that you might glorify God. But He also saved you that you might grab hold of Him. And share with Him. In His perfect glory. Even the glory of eternal life. You couldn't grab hold of this great prize. Unless Christ first grabs hold of you. And here it's it's similar to the truth that John proclaims when he says in in 1 John 4 that we love Him because He first loved us, right? We can't love God or anyone the way that we ought unless God first showers His love upon us, the undeserving sinners that we are. You can't run the race of faith, pursuing holiness and eternal glory, unless Christ first grabs hold of you 
and graciously puts you on the right track, transforming your life through the Gospel. Only then, only then can you fulfill your purpose to glorify God and be like Christ. So we can have a sure and certain confidence that we'll reach this goal because of what Paul had earlier reminded the Philippians back in chapter 1, verse 6, where he said, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Because God began a good work in you. Placing you on the track of faith and enabling you by His grace to run. You know that you surely will finish the race and achieve the goal as He continues to work in you and through you to bring you to the perfect image of Jesus Christ. And so it's important then that we understand that though our ultimate goal is eternal glory in the presence of our great God and Savior... Our life right now has meaning and purpose. You're called to run the race of faith. To pursue holiness and sanctification so that you might glorify God in all things. Even as His own beloved Son did so perfectly. Well this then leads us to a second reason why we run the race pursuing holiness. Because we're not yet perfect. Paul says in verse 12, not that I am already perfected. And then in verse 13 he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Paul acknowledges clearly that he isn't yet perfect. And he makes this point uh, clear, especially as he's writing to the Philippians... Who've been some who have been influenced by the Judaizers who seem to believe that by believing in Christ and also, in addition to that, fulfilling the works of the ceremonial law, that they could actually achieve perfection. But as Paul wrote in verses 4 to 6, if perfection of holiness was achieved by the works of the law or by one's heritage or by observing rich, religious ritual, then of all people, Paul would have arrived long ago. He would have won the race on his own merits. But Paul counted all that as loss, even as rubbish for the sake of Christ. He sought not his own righteousness or holiness, which comes from the law, but the perfect righteousness which comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ. And in this is exactly what he pursues in the race. So even Paul, the great apostle, Even he hasn't arrived at perfection. Nor have the Philippians. Certainly not the Judaizers. And not even we ourselves. Yes. By God's grace. You have faith in Jesus. Yes, you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ and your sins have been forgiven. Yes, you've you've had this sure and certain hope in the covenant promises of God. That eternal life in God's glorious presence is your ultimate destination. But you're not yet perfect in holiness. That is, there still remains in each of us a remnant of this sin nature. And each and every one of us struggles each and every day with sin and temptation in our lives. 
And sometimes we gain the victory over that sin and temptation, and other times we fail miserably. And in this we share in Paul's struggle as he confesses in Romans 7, when he says, For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And so if Paul is still practicing the evil that he doesn't want to do, he isn't perfectly pure and holy. None of us are. So this is why we run the race. This is why we pursue holiness and sanctification. Not only to please and glorify God with our lives, but because we aren't yet perfect. And as we mentioned before, it's perfection that God requires. Now before you get the wrong idea, we must be reminded of what Paul charged earlier in chapter 2, verses 12-13. Because it's the same basic idea here. Paul said in chapter 2, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. You mustn't forget the balance between your responsibility and the empowering grace of the Holy Spirit at work in you. Yes, you strive. You run the race to pursue holiness, even perfect holiness. That is working out, that's working out your salvation. But you're only able to do this because of the work of the Spirit of Christ in you. Graciously strengthening you and enabling you to run. Even though you won't attain holiness on your own, even though you won't reach perfection in this life, you still must run the race to the finish. For in this, God is glorified. And by it, you will receive that ultimate prize. But how then are we to run this great race of faith? How do you conduct yourselves? How do you run in such a way that God truly does receive all the glory? Well, there are several ways which we discover here. And the first is that you must run this race without looking back. Paul says in verse 13, But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You see, the problem is when you're looking back, right? When you're, when you're looking back, you're not looking forward. You don't have your eyes fixed on the goal. The goal's there if you're looking back here. The goal's not back there. It's up there. And so if, you, if you're not looking forward, if you're looking back, you're not looking forward. And you become easily distracted. And as you do so, you're going to overlook various obstacles that will come in the way that will cause you to stumble and fall. So you look forward, your eyes forward, fixed on the goal, aware of what obstacles are ahead. And there are many obstacles. These obstacles include... Regrets, 
about what was lost. Again, this is if you're looking back instead of looking forward. Here's some of the obstacles you'll stumble over. Regret about what was lost. This happens when doubt begins to creep in and you begin to, to question whether this race is even worth it. Right After all, it's hard. As it, even Paul said, he's suffered the loss of all things for the sake of Christ and the gospel. Now for some, that loss seems to be too much. His possessions and his freedom and possibly even his life. That's too much for me. You reminisce about the old days and the old ways of sin and how fun it was to pursue your own pleasure. You look back with mourning, regretting that you're headed in a different direction. And suddenly you're moved with a great desire to return. To where from which you came. And Jesus had a stern warning for those who would so look back. In Luke 17, he simply says, Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Remember what happened to her when she looked back, mourning for the wickedness of Sodom that they were fleeing from. She was turned into a pillar of salt. And God's judgment not only came upon Sodom and Gomorrah, but it came upon Lot's wife because she turned back longing for the sin of Sodom. And so do not look back regretting what you've left behind. A second obstacle you may stumble over by looking back is that you may long for your own self Righteous works. Now this was surely a temptation Paul had to deal with. Right again, he had it all. He had the heritage, he had the achievements, the righteous works of the law. But he now rightly counts it all as rubbish. And in fact, to fall into this temptation would be as Peter warns in Second Peter 2, saying, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb, that a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. It's like returning to your own righteousness is returning to filthy rags in God's sight. Friends, leave the filthy rags behind in the garbage where they belong. They're worthless. Don't pollute yourselves by going back and retrieving those works of self-righteousness. third obstacle is that you may look back on your sinful past but not to mourn but rather looking back and allowing the sins of the past to continue to reign and rule over your lives even the sins for which Christ Jesus died on the cross to deliver you from now this, I am certain, is a very common pitfall. So you're, you're, you're running, right? But you're not running to finish the race and gain the prize. No, you're running out of fear. 
because of your sense that your past sins are chasing you down and are about to consume you. Now certainly if there is unconfessed sin in your life, well this may actually be the case. And if so, then, then you need to seek the Lord's forgiveness and confess those sins. But friends, if the Holy Spirit has gripped your heart and has convicted you of these sins and enabled you to confess these sins and you have truly and sincerely turned away from them and repented of these sins, then know for certain that they're truly gone. They're washed away. They're cleansed. They're removed from you as far as the east is from the west. They are forgiven. Now, yes, it's true you may have to deal with some consequences of those sins, but God no longer holds those sins against you. And so, beloved of God, if God has let go of them, then why are you still holding on to them? Leave them behind. Move ahead and don't allow them to trip you up in this race. In the pursuit of holiness. A fourth popular obstacle is that when you look back, or perhaps even look ahead, well, you're not truly focused on the prize, but you're maybe glancing from side to side. And you're comparing yourselves to others who are also running the race. And you may look back and you pridefully see how much better you're doing than someone else. Or you may look forward and see how much better, or see uh, with despair and wonder if you're ever going to reach where another person is. Comparing yourselves and your spiritual growth in faith and understanding to others. It's not a good idea either way. You must understand that in this race, there isn't just one winner, but all the faithful in Christ Jesus who persevere to the end will be saved. They all will reach the finish line. God's grace works in different individuals, in different times, in different ways, and at different rates. Some are going to grow faster, and some are going to grow slower. But in all who are truly the Lord's, you can be assured that His Spirit is surely at work, and He's going to bring about the increase and finish the good work that He started. So don't compare your faith with others, but focus on the prize that Christ has set before you and run the race in your own lane which God has especially prepared for you. And so, don't compare yourselves to others. A final obstacle when you look back is that you shouldn't look back because when you do so, you may become puffed with pride when you see how far you have come and thinking that you've progressed far enough. Right? You're running ahead and you look back, hey, I've done pretty well here. I think I'll stop and take a break. Right? Like the hare in the, in the fable, you, you get lazy and then you slack off. And then when the trumpet call is made to signal the end of the race, 
well then you're far from the finish line. And the great danger here is that you're perhaps you're even too far back to reach the prize. And so, beloved God, don't fall into these traps. Run the race, but do not look back. So that's the first way we're to run. The second way Paul notes that we should run this race <clears throat> is in verse 13, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, right? So it's not just you're not looking back, but you're reaching forward. And the picture here is of the runner kind of pressing on toward the finish line, reaching out, straining with every uh, nerve and muscle, running with all his energy and might to get the prize. And so you should run the race of faith with a great desire to grab hold of the goal that Christ himself has set before you. And some may wonder, well, why should we put put forth so much effort when we know we won't, in this life, ever reach the goal of perfect holiness and sanctification? That's a fair question. Why should we strive so much? If we're not ever going to get perfect, why don't we just wait to the end and let Christ finish it off? Well, we still need to strive because though it's true you won't reach perfection in this life, you can actually boldly make great advances by God's grace and for His glory. And so you should then run with such diligence and effort to the glory of God. Thirdly, you should run with a proper mature attitude. And this is related to what we noted about not looking at others in the race. Paul says in verse 15, Therefore let us as many as are mature have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Paul isn't looking down on anyone who at this time might have some small quibble with him. No, being more mature and further along, he doesn't lord it over the others but he entrusts them to God's grace. If they're true and sincere in faith, well, he knows that God will reveal to them the truth of what he's saying. And so we need to have maturity in this running. Fourthly, you should run the race with great persistence. And here I want you to to, to look carefully at the language Paul uses in these verses here. Press on. Lay hold. Reaching forward, press toward, let us walk. We know the trials Paul is currently enduring. Right? He's in prison awaiting word about his fate. He's, he's lost everything, including his freedom. He may even lose his life. Many in this situation would be filled with great despair and discouragement. The distractions become more desirable when things aren't going so well. They're tired of fighting. They're ready to give in and quit the race. But Paul says no. Keep pressing on. Keep that glorious prize in sight. You knew that the race was going to be hard. right? Jesus made it very clear. Paul makes it very clear. It's not an easy race to run. But look. By God's grace, you have made progress. Don't give up now. Don't look back. Just keep striving. 
Because you're getting closer and closer. Keep running. And remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 24. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And so we must be persistent in the race. But finally and perhaps most critically, you must run this race relying fully upon the grace of God alone and not your own works or strength or the works and strengths of others. To even attempt to run the race in your own strength would be a complete failure. But thanks be to God. He renews His grace each and every day, giving us the strength to press on in the race that He has set before us. Yes, we we know that the race is long and difficult. It's a great test of endurance and faith. But we also remember God's sovereign plan and purpose for those who believe in Christ Jesus alone for salvation is that they would actually reach the finish line. That they would actually become like Jesus, perfect in holiness. That they would actually reach the ultimate goal of eternal life in His glorious presence forever and ever and ever. Beloved of God, this is our certain and sure hope. You will get the prize that Christ has secured for you. Press on. Keep striving. Keep running the race that has been set before you. And may the Spirit of the living God pour out His grace upon each of you to strengthen you to run this race with all your might and all your strength to the glory of God alone. Let's pray. O gracious God in heaven, we rejoice and give thanks to you for your word. And we thank you for this great reminder that you call us to be holy as you are holy. And that you've called us to run this race. And it may seem at times in doubt and disbelief to be futile because we're not going to reach perfection in this life. But you call us to continuously conform ourselves and our lives to the perfect image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that it's your Spirit working in us that does that work in and through us. And that we can make great progress as we reach toward that ultimate prize of perfection and holiness, of perfect Christ-likeness, and standing in your glorious presence where there's fullness of joy forever and ever and ever and ever. Father, we pray that you would give us your grace and strengthen us to continue to endure, to each day get up and, and be focused upon this goal, And strive throughout the day, acknowledging that it's your Spirit working in us the whole time. That we especially would not be tempted to look back, lest we stumble and fall. But that we would keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. As we strive to be in your glorious presence. Father, we pray that your spirit would truly impress these great truths upon each of our hearts, drawing us all closer to yourself, that we might truly be equipped to serve you and glorify you and be faithful witnesses to those around us. 
all for the glory of your holy name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.